week on Maroon and Bold. Football is back in Mount Pleasant. We will preview the open spring practice that is happening on Saturday over at Kelly Short Stadium. What to expect from that. Also, I mentioned a quick update of softball and baseball and how they've been doing this week. All that and more on Maroon and Bold next. And welcome into Maroon and Bold. I am sports editor Andrew McDonald and sitting to my right, assistant sports editor Evan Petzold. Well, football's back this week, and I know it's something that Evan's excited about because every year he seems to get more and more excited about it. So, Evan, how are we feeling today? I get pumped. Yeah, football is uh, <laughs> football is you know to me is like college basketball to you, I guess. For so, sure. yeah, I'm excited for sure. It's definitely an interesting, interesting time of the year. We finally got to talk to Jim McElwain and a couple players the other day, um, Steve Iper and Daquan James, some of the two that we got to talk to. So. Finally getting a little bit more from that um, outside of the coordinators we got to talk to a little bit last week that we mentioned on our last podcast. But nevertheless, we're getting getting more for the media to finally put out more for you guys um, and kind of get some more stuff out there. But, yeah, it's not going to be like it was last year. I mean, it was, wasn't was really like a super organized game a year ago when John Bonamago was here um, for, the, for the spring game is what they still called it then. But now it's going to be more of like an open spring practice. It's just – basically a practice you can come to and see how they're doing. But either way, if you want to get any kind of, you know, glimpse at what McElwain's going to look like or how he runs the practice or how he goes about with his team, all of the stuff that he does differently, you're definitely going to want to be out there on Saturday. It's at one o'clock um, on April 13th. So there's a lot of things to look for because we really haven't been able to see that much yet in front of us just because we haven't been able to go into the practices or see anything like that. I mean, the other day when we were there, we were kind of held out of it until we were actually allowed to go talk to them afterwards. So based off, you know, what we can assume um, from, you know, different different stuff of players coming in, in the past and players that he's added to the roster and everything else, Evan, what are some, uh, some of the main things that you're looking for, I guess, or at least one of the topics here to start off that you're looking for um, on Saturday? You know, I think one of the things you got to look for initially is, you know, the quarterback play. That's something that everybody always cares about. It's always really the talk of the whole offseason until no a quarterback what. is uh, until a quarterback is named. Jim McElwain's not going to name one, uh, probably not until uh, I would say probably, you know, a week, two weeks before uh, the, the season opener against Albany, maybe maybe three weeks before. But I mean, it, it'll be, you know, much more into the fall. I mean, he, he's not going to name anything too soon, but. I would definitely say to see which quarterbacks stand out. That's going to be big on Saturday. I mean, regardless of, of how it works, I mean, all right, the, the the fact of the matter is there's not going to be six quarterbacks working with the ones. Like, that's yeah. just not that's not how it's <laughs> going to be. So it should be a nice opportunity to see, you know, a clear indication of which quarterbacks are standing out early. Um, obviously, the, you know, that can change over time. But if you can, you know, take a look at who's taking the ball, um, you know, from Steve Viper, the center, and you can see maybe that there's, you know, two, three, four quarterbacks in that mix that are consistently, um, you know, taking snaps from Viper. I, I would say that, you know, those are your four guys that um, that are probably going to be the ones that are in the mix. So that's definitely one thing that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing is, is who's going to be that guy. Um, I think a couple early candidates that, that I know that I like just from watching film, grad transfer Quentin Dormady. Uh, senior Tommy Lazaro, obviously, you know, we know a little bit about him because he was here last year. Uh, junior David Moore, he's a JUCO transfer. And then I also like true freshman Daniel Richardson. I don't think this is his year yet, um, but I do think he, he he's stealthy. I mean, I think he could sneak up on some people and, and maybe make some noise. But ultimately, I mean, if it's down to me, I, I would say Dormady's your guy this year. David Moore's your guy next year. And then that gives Daniel Richardson enough time to to get himself ready. But there are other quarterbacks on the roster besides you know, just those players. You also have to remember 
that you have George Pearson, who was here last year as a, a true freshman. Now he's a redshirt freshman because he was able to get a year of eligibility back. Um, Austin Harriga as well. Wasn't expected to play much in 2018, but ended up starting two games. Don't think that those two guys are going to be, you know, candidates that jump out. I mean, I think they'll stay, but I don't think they'll jump out. Um, It'll be interesting right away. I'd say just because, you know, you got to think about they were under Bonamago and stuff, and now you got a completely new guy coming to the head coach. A lot of guys at quarterback already that you just mentioned before. Kind of interesting to see what happens to those guys over the next couple of years, I think. Yeah, I mean, they they might they might go. I never, mean, I you, guess you don't you, know. You never really know what's going to happen with that, with like a transfer or anything like that, but not to assume that they would. Either way, it's definitely interesting just because it's an entirely new coaching staff. Nothing that they were brought in with in the quarterback position is so you know key on that. You get a quarterback that is your guy because obviously it's the most important position in the field. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys. I agree with that, but... You know, I think one thing that I'm really, really interested to see is just, you know, all these guys are preaching all this stuff about the different energy that these coaches are bringing in and the different environment that it is and how it's like almost like a new culture is the way that um, Jameson kind of said it to us yesterday when he was talking to us about it. And, I, I mean, yeah, Jim McElwain brings in a lot of energy, but I didn't really get the vibe that I got from him the first time that we got to talk to him, you know, when he first, like, you know, came out and had his like speech and everything when he got hired as a coach the other day when we were talking to him. He was a little bit more relaxed um, when he was talking to us and stuff. I don't know if it's more like a, a, a all-business kind of guy or if he's really just like have fun, let the players have fun. That's what he said he wants to do with the players, but it's like you're going to get to be able to be the judge of that yourself on Saturday for the first time. And, and I think this coaching staff, you know, they, they basically preach that they're all getting along very well. It's what Rob Akey said the other day. Um, again, Jameson making a comment the other day that's saying the coaching staff is pretty brotherly. They're all kind of kept together in that way, and they've all done a really good job of being competitive with each other. I think it's a really interesting word to use for a coaching staff of being competitive with each other um, out there. It's not just the players, it's the coaches as well. Um, definitely interested to see how they all do their roles like differently on the field and like how they are in front of people for the first time, I think. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting because um – I mean, you ask you you want to ask you know the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, how you know people are getting along. They honestly might hate each other um, behind closed doors. Yeah, but they're gonna lie to you. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, they they might hate each other. They might not be getting along right now. Players the same way. They might not like McElwain as their head coach, but they're gonna tell you they do. So I think yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how how does that play out on the field when. You know, it, it's almost like you have this practice and you're locked into practice, but then there's so many people watching from the outside. I think that's, you know, I, I think you hit hit the nail on the head right there. That's that's something to watch for, for sure. I find that interesting, too. Like, you just, that's a really good point that you made about how players will lie to you and, you know, tell you that it's they're, they really do like their head coach and everything. I mean, John Bonamago, obviously, last year, the team at 1 and 11, the rails fell off completely, but you didn't really hear anything from any of those guys about not liking John. Because if you don't, coach. yeah, because if you say that, you're benched. It, it, I mean, well, yeah. What's, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously that, but. I'm not going to say anything negative about When you the go guy 1 and 11, gonna... I mean, you might get some kid who, like, you know, cracks or says something that's like horrible about him just because of the way that they're they're playing um but there wasn't really anything like that when he kind of left so I don't know it's it's kind of hard I guess to tell that anyway until they're out in the field maybe he could get more attitude towards somebody it's not like it's unheard of to have that happen where a head coach isn't like a player but right now they're definitely apparently all bought in to um what Jim McElwain is bringing to this team and what he's bringing to the system uh, I think another interesting position that'll definitely be to look at is definitely the running back spot because you got Jonathan Ward finally getting back out there who should be fully healthy. 
um, and able to play. And, and Lou Nichols is a guy that you wrote a story on the other day that was pretty interesting just about how he's supposed to get action this year. Um, McElwain talked highly about him and said that no matter what, this guy's going to be able, be able to get out in the field and produce. It's pretty obvious that he's going to be able to get that chance. Um, I think it's pretty interesting with, you know, Gawilly back and some other guys back there that played running back for him in the past, that, you know, that have been around. So I think the running back position should be pretty stocked. Yeah, Lou Nichols is pretty darn good. I mean, you have to remember, goes for 23 touchdowns as a senior for Cast Tech, um, as, as a senior last year in 2018. So while CMU was going 1-11, he was absolutely dominant in the Detroit Public School League, and, and he had tons of Power 5 offers he turned down. Kentucky, Missouri, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue. He turned those down for CMU. That's what makes the story so interesting to me. And I think when you look at a guy like Lou Nichols who said, you know, I, I love Central. It was a secure spot. I liked it. I think in the back of I think at the back of his mind, he knew he could enroll early and he knew CMU doesn't have um at least in the last three years, consistent <laughs> running back depth when you look at mm-hmm. the inconsistencies from from Gwilly, you know, is he even really a true running back? Yeah. Running back. I mean, he's more of like a third he's more of like a, you know, third down kind of guy, yeah, gets you yeah, a couple yeah. yards. But Romello Ross and Jonathan Ward, the inconsistencies there. I mean, he he almost looked at it and said Oh my gosh, it's a it's a prime opportunity to play right away. I mean, yeah. you, one and eleven. There's not really a running back that stood out in back to back years. This is my opportunity. I can enroll early, so he's here and he he's getting it done. And I guess they're pretty impressed with them. Obviously, like I said, people lie to you. I, I <laughs> I'm sure if you asked him how the worst player on the team was doing, he'd say he's having a great spring. But we'll, we will see how how that goes. I mean, he definitely you know seemed. He seemed like he was excited about it. Um, you know, when I asked McElwain about about Nichols, I think there's definitely a future there, and I think you know there might be something there. Um, you know, even this season. Yeah, for sure, definitely. But even to get the running game going, you have to start behind the offensive line. There's definitely an interesting thing there, just because they have a new coach. I mean, obviously they have a new coach in almost every single position besides Davida Thompson at tight end. But nevertheless, uh, Draymond Hall and Luke Decky are a couple of guys that come in and definitely should be able to play right away. Um, for the Chippewas, and it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of get it going here um, with uh, with the new offensive line, kind of the coach and everything. Yeah, no, I mean, I really like Draymond Hall and, and Luke Odecki. I think those two guys, you know, coming in at the tackle position is going to be huge. I mean, you look at the fact that you have you have Hall, you have Godecki, and then you also have you know Jake Dominguez from Foothill College coming in. He'll be able to play right away. You got three new guys at the tackle position. You add them in with Derek Smith and Nick Fulmer, and I think that 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 changes your game right there because that that really allows you to do so much more and the fact too that you know Fulmer and Smith they both have spent time um you know playing at the guard position so they can mix it up there and that's kind of what what Steve Viper said the the center and the leader of that offensive line when we talked to him was just that having those guys brings numbers and that's that's what's most important to them right now and and really before we move past the offensive line there's also another guy that could come in in, in Oge Adeku who is from um, from Iowa State, um, a guy that just kind of got, now that he got swept under the rug, he was supposed to be a starter and had a bunch of injuries and stuff like that. Well, he took an OV here, um, an official visit, on Monday and Tuesday, and we'll have a story on that coming at, at some point soon. But he's a guy that, highly considering the chip was, as a grad transfer, he can play right away. Like I said, he was supposed to be the starter about two weeks heading into the, the season. He was the guy at Iowa State got injured now he's a grad transfer so that immediate eligibility is key and that yeah. that, that'd be huge to add him on the defensive line I mean, you talk about six three three hundred ten pound linemen yeah. bring him on for one year 
Why not? Why not? <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me uh, when you're coming to a school like this. No, for sure. That's definitely going to be something to keep up with. Cause when, I, I mean, getting players from big-name schools will definitely help you out. It seems like at the end of the day, I mean, whatever position it might be. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just right now it's kind of like you're we're in a position where you don't really know what to expect from any of these positions, but I think the defense is definitely one um, where you're kind of questioning it a little bit more just because of what they lost. Um, with Sean Bunting and Xavier Crawford, they lost their entire linebacking course is what it feels like pretty much when you lose um, guys like you know Malik Fountain and Trevor Absey and Alex Briones. I mean, those guys were your key tacklers a season ago. Mike Dana transfers and goes to Michigan. Really, you look at the entire defense, and it's kind of like, Rob Akey, here you go. You have a job to do, and you really got to do a lot to change it. Um, where, who are some key players that you're looking to see come out on the defensive side of the ball that you didn't already mention um, on, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to look at the defensive line first and foremost, and Sean Asanya is going to be your going to be your guy at defensive end, um, and I think he's going to be that anchor to help you know replace uh, Mike Dana. But there's also you have to remember you have Duran Irving Bay who plays defensive end too, and he was academically dismissed from the university, but he's working to make his way back. McElwain said the game plan is for him to be back, and Irving Bay said the game plan for himself is to be back. So the thought that you could you could essentially line it up with Adesanya and Irving Bay as your two defensive ends, which I mean I don't think you can really get. I don't know. I don't really know if there's a better combo than that in the MAC. Maybe Northern Illinois last year when they had Sutton Smith, but besides that. I don't really know if it can get much better than that as long as Irving Bay really pans out to be, you know, what he's supposed to be. Obviously, he has not played Division One football yet because yeah. coming from Michigan, didn't play there. Um, he was highly touted. I mean, yeah, the so that's why I'm that saying, I mean, if he, was... if, he, if he lives up to what he's supposed to be, that could be really good. I think you have to remember, too, at the tackle positions, I mean, you got DeAndre Dill coming back who's mm-hmm. who's going to be a guy. I mean, he's going to be he's going to be your dude there and pair him up with Laquan Johnson, those two as as defensive tackles. I think your D-line is pretty much set. I, I really do. I think that's going to be probably the that's probably be the strongest part of the defense in general. Um, linebackers is probably the biggest question mark. I, I, yeah, I'm not too question. worried about the defensive backs. I think Brandon Brown and Darius Bracey back there are going to be able to fill in pretty nicely. Obviously, some other, other guys that, that are in the mix um, at the cornerback positions. But I do think too, you have to remember, you know, you have Brandon Brown and, and Darius Bracey who can fill in for Bunting and Crawford, but you also have three or four other guys that can play cornerback. And then obviously you have, um, you know, Devani Reed and Alonzo McCoy who can play safety. And then also Daquan Jameson toss mm-hmm. him in the mix. He can play a little bit of both. He's more of a hybrid type guy. Um, so I, I really don't see too big of an issue there. I just think it's going to be that linebacker position. That's really going to really going to hurt CMU this year. If they don't get it figured out. I, I, I like, I like Troy Brown helping out. Obviously, Michael Oliver is yeah. is your go to there, but but I like Troy Brown coming in there as as a linebacker. I just don't know how you're going to be able to replace <laughs> what Briones, Apsi, and Fountain. You know, I don't know how you're going to. I mean, they left they they left so much, um, and they left these big shoes to fill. I don't know. I mean, Andrew Ward is going to be in the mix. I, I like I like what he has to offer, um, but honestly though you got to figure it out. I mean, you know, I, I George Douglas, I, I like him as well. Um, a kid from Belleville. I think he might be able to do some damage. Chuck Jones, maybe as well. Uh, Nick Apsey, you know, that's, that's the younger brother of uh, a Trevor. I think he might be able to, to do some damage. It's just like, who's going to really fill in because you know what you, you know what you basically know what you're getting in Troy Brown and you know what you're getting in Michael Oliver, but 
who's your third linebacker and then what's the depth behind that you know that's the that's the question important. that's the most important thing definitely without a question is the linebacking core but you talk about brown and bracy i mean anybody you talk to you talked to Quan jameson about the other day you talked to rob Akey about it that was some of the first names they mentioned when they were both asked the question mm-hmm. about the secondary so i think you hit the nail on the head right there with those two being very very important and they definitely have a lot of guys that sell speed i mean devani reed was second in the team in tackles a season ago so he's a guy that's been around as well lonzo mccoy is a name you've been hearing he's still got some playing time and everything else so they have guys that have been back there and played so it's like they're gonna be completely depleted in the secondary i mean yeah it's two guys that you know very well could get drafted i mean sean bunting's almost a lock to get drafted so yeah, they're losing some stuff back there. It's not like it's just easy to step in and replace it, especially when you're still expecting to have both them probably for a season um, until things kind of fell off and they felt like they, you know, they had a better chance to just go pro right away um, or after the junior seasons. It's still it's still like they have some depth there. They have people that come back and have playing time and experience, so it should be a little bit better. I'm just interested to see, you know, this McElwain's a guy that's known for his offense. He's a guy that's known to – really bring the a different kind of offensive feel. I'm interested to see how the defense reacts with pretty much Rob Akey being your leader there and the guy that you're looking to all the time. I think he has one of the bigger jobs in the team to be able to fill all those places, especially in the middle of your defense. Your linebacking core is completely depleted. I mean, that's a that's a hole um, in the middle there without a question to fill. So it'll be really interesting to see who just kind of steps up and takes it. Yeah, you know, we talk about some of the guys on defense that we think are going to, you know, play a big role. I think another question is, you know, all right, so who who, who do we think is really going to start at quarterback? What about the what about running back? I know we touched on both of those a little bit. Personally, I, I think Dormady is your guy at QB. Um, I kind of alluded to that earlier when I kind of said Dormady more and then, you know, Daniel Richardson kind of is the, you know, the year one, the year two, and the year three. Um, type of plan for yep. for McElwain. but wide receiver is is going to be huge because you have to remember you're getting Khalil Pimpleton and, and he had to sit out last year as a transfer from Virginia Tech due to NCAA rules and that guy is probably one of the quickest I mean he, he is so quick I mean you ask anybody and they're gonna they're gonna tell you that McElwain said he's one of their gotta get it to players where yeah. he's gonna be on the field and he's a guy that they have to get the ball um, they're out of the slot I think he's gonna be able to do do a lot of work there. I mean, in the, in speed the slot. Kills, man. I mean, oh, it does. You can, make and, a, you can make a difference in an offense the speed like that. And and you know, Julian Hicks coming back from a breakout um, breakout freshman season where he he really was our only reliable target last year. And I think this is also an opportunity for Brandon Childress to really rewrite um, what was expected of him. You mm-hmm. know, last year he, was, he it, last year last year he was probably one of the one of the two worst receivers on CMU's uh, I think if you ask him, CMU's he'd, rotation. He'd tell, he'd tell you that, too. Yeah. He talks about his inconsistencies that he had last year, how disappointed he was in himself. I think that if you can get his head on his shoulders again and you can maybe do something other than – you know, that's the thing, too, is – he never even got any help. Like all it was 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 Julian Hicks, and <laughs> no, that's then a, that's the thing. A quarterback who would it. throw interceptions left and right, and, a, and a, a non-existent running back, and your offensive line was was as garbage as as the trash be. on the side of the road. <laughs> like there just wasn't there wasn't anything there. Your tight ends. I mean, gosh, dude, you had Tony Polgin there at the end of the season. You didn't even use him, and the, the one time you did, he caught a touchdown. Like, yeah. Literally. And <laughs> quarterback. There, there, no, there was just nothing there. Like, I think there was yeah. no offensive help. And I think that's more of the coaching mindset. Um, a little bit of the quarterbacks. Um, obviously, I mean, just, offensive line as well. They're, they're getting a revamped offensive line. You have more tight end options in Bernard Raymond, Keegan Kasu, and, and, and Tony Polgin. You, ha- you have those kind of guys that are going to be able to step in and block as well. I think it opens up for Childers. I think, this, you know, this is his last year. He knows he has to go out with a bang. 
and let's see how it goes. He's got to be the guy in this thing. You can go all the way back to 2017 and look at that season when he got injured in the second game against Kansas. He was supposed to be somebody that was going to emerge that year. He showed only signs of positivity in that season. Um, and it, it kind of sucked for him because I mean, like to come back and like play this past season because he was all of a sudden thrown in to be the guy with, you know, losing guys like Corey Willis. And even, I mean, I know he's not a wide receiver, but Tyler Conklin and, and those guys were all people that kind of were pass catchers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They were around him and made him able to be able to play his game. It was really tough for him to get hurt that season. And not, I mean, you can say that you learn a lot from the sidelines, but you can only learn so much from the sidelines. You have to play in the games and to not be able to play with those guys and kind of get acclimated in that way and be thrown in as the, the guy right away. It's pretty tough. And now maybe he took his lumps. He can, grow up a little bit from a little more and maybe be a little bit better this season. We'll see what happens with it, but he's definitely a guy they have to go to. They don't really have any other options. I mean, we can say we want about Khalil Pippleton too, and the speed is what the speed is, but you still got to see it happen on the field. That's the thing about a lot of these guys that are on Central's team right now. Well, no, and I think too you have guys that can also do the job. I mean, Cam Cole, it's kind of yeah. – he, he showed himself – um, a, a little bit last year, Drayton Law, he showed up late and, and was able to, to to really make some big catches and, and was able to move the chains a little bit. Um, you know, I think Ja'Cory Sullivan is another guy, you know, out of Muskegon that he's got he's got talent that's ready to be developed. And, and this is kind of his year as a junior to, all right, let's let's get moving on that talent development. I think he could he could be pretty good. Redshirt freshman Keontra Nixon um, coming from Lake Park in, in Chicago, Illinois. Six four two oh three. Put him out there. Let it, let him play a little bit. You got yeah, a six four, sure. you know, young receiver that's ready to ready to go and he got some dog in him and some fight in him. I like to see him go. I, I think that's kind of key though. We you know, you did mention that Childress was supposed to be the guy last year, right? Sure. And I think maybe that's kind of the issue, right? Is maybe he's not a player that's the guy. The guy. Yeah. Maybe he's not that good. And well, in my opinion, I think he's a I think he's a good third wide receiver on a team that can give you a four touchdowns in a season can catch a couple big passes and, and can be someone that leads in the locker room for, for and that's fine for you and me to sit here and try to break down a team that didn't have a quarterback that could, didn't have a consistent pass thrower now has an entirely new coaching staff new offensive coordinator new offensive mind of their head coach it's kind of hard to tell anything besides what these guys can do individually right now mm-hmm. because you yeah. really don't know how they're going to gel with a brand-new quarterback because, I mean, okay, yeah, Tommy Lazaro could be the guy that comes back. But, I, I mean, honestly, man, I think you and me can both just say right now it has to be Quentin Dormady based off of talent um, and where he was at. So, like, that is all, a you know, quarterback and wide receiver, the way they gel together, that's one of the most important things. I mean, it is probably the most important thing in the offense besides having a running game as well. Like, those guys have to click together. Like we can say we want about these players that we've seen in the past and everything. The Quentin Dormady might work better with somebody that we haven't even seen yet or even play at all yet mm-hmm. because that's just the way that it works out. Like sometimes guys just have a better click with the way that their games work together. It's kind of hard to to tell that right now. I guess is where is where I'm at with it. It's like yeah, we can talk about all the individual talent we want and like say that these guys are good and they are and who we expect to get a lot of playing time and it probably will work out that way. But still, it's like what you just said about some of these guys that are younger that you know could come up and make a make a play or make a difference in the offense this season. It's definitely very possible just because of how many new working pieces there are in Central Michigan's offense. I mean, it's going to be a completely different look from what we saw under John Montemago without a question. I think one guy from the offense that you don't see as much this year is Jamil Sabah, a wide receiver. I mean, he's 5'9", 178 pounds. He doesn't fit the mold. Some of these okay. guys are going to get pushed to the side. Yeah, that, that's what I, I'm I think predicting. He, I think he definitely gets put to put. I think he gets pushed to the side for sure. I think Childress is a guy that he's going to be on alert knowing this year that, yeah, he could get pushed to the side. Yep. It's a clean slate for everyone. 
I mean, I, that's what McElwain's preaching. I firmly believe that. I believe too, that. When they say it yeah. all the way through and through. Like this is this is his team now. He came in here and he can say what he wants about. Oh, you know, I try to make try to make the guys feel good or like feel comfortable that stayed here. Like they stuck with this program. It's like, man, if somebody's got talent, I see Jim McElwain playing that because he's been at some bigger schools. He's been at the schools where it's not about if you're just a senior, you play, and it's like senior leadership kind of how it felt under John Bonamago. It's not really like I don't think it's really gonna be like that under McElwain. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna play whoever he can to get wins right away because when you were one and eleven a season ago, even though he wasn't here. It doesn't matter if he doesn't produce some kind of results this year. I mean, people are already going to start saying stuff. That's just the way it is. If you want to come out and like make wins and, you know, give me the, what have you done for me lately thing? You want to see some of these younger guys that are going to be around in the program working under him for a while, start to make a difference like right now. I agree. I mean, I guess just to, I guess to finish it up, um, (laughs) maybe not with the whole podcast. I don't know where we're at on time, but to finish it up with the (laughs) position type talking. Yeah. Um, we know who our kicker is, Ryan Tice. Don't yeah. think that'll change. <laughs> if that changes, Ryan Tice must have broke his leg. Yeah, so. seriously. It's gonna be, it's gonna be but Hunter, 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 Hunter. My huh? guy for Hunter this year is he's not even on campus yet. Okay, he isn't even on. He's at he's at Grand Rapids Christian in his Here's in his he. book, getting done, getting ready to walk across that stage and graduate. Oh, yeah. Luke Alzinga. I saw him play at the end of the year. He's a six four, one hundred and ninety four pound punter. And my man has a rocket of a leg. For sure. He's good. I mean, he's really good. <laughs> he's my guy. For sure. You no, saw I, him. What did you see? I did. I, went, I you, covered, you like I that covered leg? Their, I covered their first playoff game, and he only had to punt a couple times, but I knew what, everything that was behind him and how he's getting recruited. And yeah, he, You could tell. Fine. Every single time he kicked the ball. So, yeah, no, you, you can tell when, like, a, cow, or a high school punter is, like, clearly just going for kicking like you can always oh, yeah. tell that difference if it's not like you know, like Cameron Martinez was doing like everything for them and for example on Muskegon just I'm just going off that because that's where I covered football was in the West Michigan area um he even punted the ball at times like that's like what he had to do you can tell the difference between a guy doing that or a guy that clearly just comes in there to punt this guy looks like he knows what he's doing so I think you're I think you're uh right on that one he's he, the guy, he's the guy. for sure so yeah, that'll be that, that. It'll be interesting to see. Um, nevertheless, on Saturday, it's just kind of exciting to finally get a chance to actually watch players play in front of us, and for us to be able to get like you know video content out there for you guys, and like actual people playing on the field instead of just having to tell you what we see or the little bit that we get, or having to write as much as we possibly can off the few people that they give us. Like, it's gonna be nice to kind of get to actually see some of it in person, and then you can decide with your own eyes how it goes. But if you're up here, you should definitely get out and be a part of it i don't see why not i think it's definitely interesting um with like how it's gonna go just because this is a big name in jim McElwain that got hired here and i don't i ever since i've been at cmu and been paying attention to cmu there hasn't really been a name that's come in and been like a jim McElwain. so this is your chance to get a first taste of how he's gonna be how he's gonna interact with the community i mean he says that it's been very easy for him to adjust here and live here and says the people are great and everything i'm, I'm interested to see how he is with all of that during the game and how he addresses people and whatnot all of it all of it's pretty fascinating to me so we'll see what happens with that but just a quick update uh we don't really going to dive into these topics at all but just because the sports are going on right now with baseball um and softball this week got cmu just took down oakland the other day um on tuesday 24 to 10 another another big win they got beat zero or they got shut out 10 to zero against ball state close it out on sunday so it was kind of like a little bit concerning even after the nine game win streak but nevertheless they were able to turn it around and put up 24 um, on Oakland, which is pretty impressive. They'll be back on the field um, for a three-game set this weekend from April 12th to 14th, taking on Kent State 
um, in Canton, Ohio. And then moving over to softball, they've been struggling a little bit more this year. It hasn't been exactly, um, you know, the usual usual games for them. Um, they lost to Michigan State the other night, sixteen to four, allowed five home runs. That was a pretty pretty brutal loss. Then lost to Michigan State um, on Wednesday, four to zero against Western Michigan. So yeah, they've uh, they've struggled a little bit more. They've had a couple straight losses here. We'll see if they're able to turn it around going into MAC play. It hasn't exactly been. I mean, 16, 20, and 1 overall. That's not how it usually is under Margot Yonker there. I mean, shoot, she has the stadium named after her. So they usually have a few. Uh, so few, weird to uh, me. Exactly it is. Well, she's the coach. But there's 7, 4, and 1 in conference. We'll see where they end up. But nevertheless, uh, haven't you got anything else you want to add? I just wonder, like, what happens if she, like, does really <laughs> bad and gets fired? Do they just, like, rename it after the next coach? I think I think Michael Alfred would go right over there and just take the letters off real quick and, and make the change himself. Just change to his name, Michael <laughs> Alfred. I'm kidding. Maybe the night before. I don't know. I mean, not that we're, we're joking. We're not joking. That we're making any, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not joking. making any assumptions here. Let's make that clear. I'm pretty sure Margot Yonker has her job in, oh, in yeah. security. Um, she's been here for a while, but just kind of funny to think about if she were to get fired. It's unique. For it's, no, it's unique, and it is pretty impressive. Hey, with that, the way that sports have been today, you never know when someone's going to get fired right or left for whatever reason it might be. So, you know, I just think it it's all. impressive that she's got that stadium named after her. They better do that for me someday. Oh yeah, before sure. before I, I die. She, for sure. I'm that won't happen. <laughs> It'll be the no. It's not going to be CM Life anymore. It's just going to be Petzold Hyphen Life. That's that's what's going to get ch- changed to here when you leave. I hope you know that. You still have two more years, kid. Fire up. <laughs> we'll see if that actually happens. But now, nah, Margot, she does a good job with the softball team, and I think she could get it turned around. But we'll be keeping up with it, nevertheless. Um, but for Evan, I'm Andy, and thank you guys for listening. <laughs>